Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learn something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today I'm joined by Shannon Gabriel, Vice President of Leadership Solutions at TBM Consulting, a North Carolina-based operational advisory firm. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Maddie. I'm happy to be here. Do you have any advice on improving employee engagement? Some of it is, you know, it's rotten. It's not rocket science. Uh, a lot of companies have gone away from doing the day-to-day fundamentals, or I would say the monthly fundamentals. Some companies I've heard employees say, like, I'd just be happy with a thank you at the end of the day. You know, I just I just want to know that they, they recognize that I went above and beyond to help somebody else out, and I didn't have to. It's not how I measured. It doesn't impact my performance, but I did it for the goodness of the organization and for my peer. And so some of it is very simple. Some of it is it, it doesn't require any, any financial investment whatsoever. I think that recognizing top performers, but also figuring out a way to boost up the low performers to get them just one level above what they were doing last week is important. If we see struggling leaders internally and not blaming it on a lack of will, but rather having conversations to understand what's happening at home. You know, are you doing okay? What can we do to help you? What support do you need from us, you know, to get you from this stage to turn right now to the goal and the plan that we have in place for the organization? Those discussions sometimes don't happen because everyone's running at such a, a speed that it falls to a low on the priority list. And, and that's where things really start to fall south, I think. So the employee engagement ideas are, you know, they're plentiful. It, they want more than a pizza party at the end of the year. I can say that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like what you're touching on is, you know, getting back to the person behind it, getting back to the human element just because as much as the effects of the pandemic has unearthed the issues within company culture, it also has revealed the importance of understanding that people are people at the end of the day. Like on this call, you can see into the back of my apartment, I can see into the back of your office. And it's like, yeah, like we know that these people have lives. We see pets come on camera. We understand that things happen. And having that understanding, especially in a leadership position, I feel puts you in a better situation to see what's going on with your workers and exercise empathy and understanding to hopefully make it better in the long run. I completely agree with you. It's emotional. Humans are emotional. They, they do want to win. They want to do well. The, the premise of them does. And so talking to that and humanizing it instead of treating it as a robotic element is only going to fuel better results for the organization. But it's the last thing the companies look at. I'm still shocked at it. You know, it's the last thing we want to deal with. We want to deal with parts and processes. We have to deal with people. Gosh, okay, we're going to deal with the people. And so, you know, we've come a long way to get to this stage this year where I'm starting to see a trend on, you know, how they're going to evaluate performance improvement within the organization. They finally are getting to the stage of realizing we've got to, we've got to invest in the people. You hear the adage a lot, you know, people are our biggest asset. Not enough companies actually follow suit and have action plans behind that. That's great, but what have you done? And the employees are are looking at it the same way. What have you done for me lately? We hear about the business results that occurred that year, but then there's no investment in us that we're actually the ones out there delivering the work. And so it's a double-edged sword. If you're going to speak to the way that we exceeded EBITDA, 
then you better have a plan in place on how you're going to benefit the employees too, because there's an anger issue that can arise from that sometimes because they feel like they were left out. There were bonuses that were given to, to higher level leaders inside the organization. And what, how did it trickle down through the rest of the organization for those that were you know, blood, sweat, and tears through every day and every month and every year? More has to be done. The good thing is, is that I'm, I'm hearing all the, the right things in motion to make sure that we're going to achieve that. Yeah, no, that's very heartening to hear in the long term, you know, that there is going to be a more forward thinking investment in people. Kind of speaking towards that a little bit and, and your own, you know, personal career and growth there. What was the initial spark that led you to pursuing a career in people operations and um, talent strategy and, you know, the, the people behind it all? It's not sexy, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work. It's just so we're clear. So I was in process to go to law school and decided last minute that I just did not have the heart in it to do it for a year, right? Famous last words, for one year, I'll take a year off. And that lack of commitment had me scrambling on, okay, what am I going to do for a year? And so a friend of a friend of a friend said, come and work with us for a year. You can deep dive into the recruiting side. And I thought, yeah, I can do that for a year. Well, a year transitioned into me really enjoying it. And then moving into the consulting aspect where you're working through two recessions on, you know, the talent management side, the human capital piece of helping companies dissect an org chart to go through and build out succession planning and redesigning the org chart based on the collapse of the economy in 2001 or 2008, and then rebuilding it with other organizations, you know, through acquisitions, mergers and acquisitions and relocations and helping them build that piece. So all of those things started moving in to me. I think the gratification that I got from just helping them see what success looks like. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I really enjoy hearing there's no way that we'll be able, TPM will be able to do this. There's no way that Shannon can fix this problem. Like, I don't know. Let's take a stab at it and see. And those are fun, right? Everybody likes to hear you can't. And then you figure out that you can and you do. And so that's the fun aspect of what I do right now, I'd say. I really enjoy working with the people and the entire organization, you know, seeing and hearing some of the challenges that they have and knowing that there's a, a way for them to come through that successfully and happily. It does bring a lot of satis satisfaction in doing the job at hand. Yeah. And it seems like each company that you consult, like it's, it's a different puzzle. It's, it's a different strategy. It's a different approach. So to be able to achieve those results regardless of the different, you know, situations feels like it would be super uh, satisfying in the end. Oh, they're all unique. The number of times that we've stepped in and, and been asked, is this the worst you've ever seen? They all take a lot of ownership in it and it, and it never is, you know, they're, they each have, you know, a different, a different opportunity at hand that I think is exciting, but it's, they're always workable. And there's always a, I would say a different element on how we're going to get them through the current challenge at hand. And because when you're dealing with human capital and you're dealing with locations all across the US or all across the globe, you've got to look at it through a different lens. Don't follow the same template. Unless you want the same results every time, don't follow the same template. Yeah, it, it makes sense because, you know, all people are different. All situations are different at the end of the day. A hundred percent. You know, you can learn a lot from people just by having a conversation with them and, and truly investing in them. You know, that's when you get the best of them. And, and that's when you learn, you know, how do you maximize the best that they have to offer and help them get to the next phase in their career and their own personal development. But you can't do that robotically. You can't do it through automation. 
I hate to say it live on a podcast, but I am not a believer of employee engagement surveys. Like take the time and go and spend time with the team at hand and understand from a conversation it's what keeps them up at night, what they want to see changed, and then invest in that. You know, to take those top two or three items that you hear the most and then make those changes because they're going to be meaningful for the employees. And then you get further commitment and buy-in. Yeah. And, and to your point with, you know, employee surveys, even when they're anonymous, people aren't often, you know, as forthcoming as they would be in a, a candid sort of in-person environment. I actually had an HR director. I was sitting with her in a conference room and she was talking about the current challenges that she was facing as an HR leader. And she mentioned the survey that they had. And she said, you know, I'm an HR leader in this organization. It was a multi-billion dollar company. And she goes, I don't even want to fill this out because I keep getting the alerts. She's like, I know it's supposed to be confidential, but when I get the alerts that tell me I haven't completed my survey yet, she goes, I'm afraid to put anything down because as an HR leader, I feel like I'm held to a different standard. And if the HR leader feels that way, you can imagine how everyone else might in the organization because they think that there's a trail, a negative trail that's going to follow them through if they say anything other than positive responses. If you don't get that kind of honest feedback, you are going to be unpleasantly surprised when you look back at your company culture and you're like, oh, this is falling apart more than I thought. Absolutely. Surveys themselves, what I found is, and the feedback that I get is that the most vocal employee that you have is going to be the one that fills it out verbatim and is very honest. And they're going to sign their name to the end of it. It's the ones that have ideas and they do see areas of change that are needed but they're so fearful of any kind of repercussion because they were trained and groomed to not say anything negative about the company that we work for. Those are the ones that I think we really miss out on because they do have different ideas that they can bring to the table that would be meaningful, but the, because they don't want it to be tagged on them, they'll say nothing instead. And they'll give textbook responses, all positive or somewhat positive. And that is a huge disclaimer for the organization to fall onto and think that things are better than what they are. It's despite the fact that you have a, you know, 42% turnover rate. Yeah. It reminds me of my sister works for the government and she's always been a super high achiever. And I remember when she had her first round of like evaluations, they went and they told her and they're like, do not mark anything as a five, like five being the best. Because when we send you your evaluation, there's maybe like two fives total across the company. And she was just completely shocked. She's like, I didn't realize that A, I could exercise that kind of honesty. And then B, that that would also be given back to me, that you guys would be, you know, fact to the matter that I'm doing well, or I have area to improve and not like, you know, like checks across the board. Yeah. One company, before they sent out their employee engagement survey, there was an email that came out from corporate to remind all the employees at this plant on all the things that had been done to their benefit the year before. <laughs> they, that feels backhanded. <laughs> isn't it? I thought, you know, the timing of that could have been a little bit better. Yeah. So there's there's some wild stories that come out of those surveys. And and I just I again I go back to the personal touch. I always I always will. I always go back to the personal touch and investing. It's an investment in the employee, it's an investment in the individual, and you can never go wrong by taking that stance. Definitely. Because at the end of the day, it's human resources. We've talked about it before. People are your biggest asset and people need to act like that, acknowledge it. You know, I think HR has been through so much over the last several years that it's become somewhat transactional um, for a lot of teams that I see. And they haven't been able to really utilize their vision and their strategy the way that they want to because they're running at a speed that they can barely keep up. 
And that I think is a detriment to the entire organization because they do rely on that team. They can be the pulse point and they can bring everybody together and they can have those strong conversations to make sure that if we're not following the same line, we're not rowing in the same direction, why not? And how do we get back on track? Be sure to tune in on March 5th for part one of my full conversation with Shannon on our sister podcast, HR Works. In this conversation, we'll be diving into recruiting in today's labor market and the concept of rogue interview tactics. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.